1: It's, uh, you know, it's like history itself. Things haven't gotten worse. They've just gotten clearer or whatever the fuck the quote is mm-hmm. that I'm searching mm-hmm. for.
2: I, I I know Fourth of July sucks, but, like, what's your barbecue? What's your If you're at a barbecue, like, what's your order? Like, what are you putting on your plate? That's what I want to know. Because that's what it comes down to is, like, the food.
1: Yeah. No, it's a food holiday. It's one of the many that you could do away with all of the weird tradition and just reduce it. Like Super Bowl is a good food holiday. I don't fuck the game. We should just have the food this year, you know, since there will be <laughs> no Super Bowl. Um,
2: or
3: it could be a, an eating contest We could get Kobayashi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where
2: is Kobayashi? I haven't heard about him in a long time. I hope he's okay. Um, yeah, I mean,
3: hopefully he, he doesn't have indigestion problems by now.
1: It, I, I, who knows? That's the thing. Anyone could yeah. be dead of COVID right now. But to answer your question, Fourth um, of July plate, I'm gonna go hot dog. Uh, definitely some of those like uh, what do you call them? The beans that come in that weird can, the black can with the guy with his tongue out on it. Uh, Ranch style beans, those are called. Ranch um,
3: style. Is this is a
2: Texas thing.
1: It might be this. Now that I'm thinking about it. That might be a, a, a guy with sticking
2: his tongue <laughs> out. His tongue, his tongue. <laughs>
1: There's a there's a can of beans you'll see in Texas on at every barbecue that's like black and then like uh-huh. it's got some yellow lettering and then there's a guy he looks almost like um like the Pringles guy or something he's got like his tongue sticking out as if to say like mm mm and then the, it's the can is full of these things called ranch style beans which come like in their own like sweet kind of sauce don't know how to yeah. describe it um. Hmm and maybe some potato salad what about you guys what's your plate
3: i like shoving the dog into the burger trying to get them in the same bun as like uh one contraption
2: that's insane but i love that that's pretty fucking weird (laughs) man (laughs) annie what's your plate
0: Um, yeah, I feel like definitely go for the hot dog. Love just like a really horribly burnt hot dog. Like it's been on that grill for hours at this point. Um, love a potato salad somewhat shamefully. Uh, yeah, I feel like those are my two majors.
2: A bunch of pickles on that hot dog. Necessary. Hell yeah. I do two (laughs) hamburgers, two hot dogs. My family usually does pork chops. So I'll do a pork chop and then I'll do some barbecue chips and like a, a soda. That's perfect can't, for me. Yeah. Can't forget the chips. Can't well, forget the La Croix. Yeah. Would love yeah. a La Croix today. By the way, I found it, y'all. I don't know if you can. Oh, I can't. Yeah. No, that's it's it. It's not showing up. <laughs> yeah.
3: Ranch style. You know, it, it, it's beans. literally
2: called ranch style. Yeah. Beans.
3: yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. Is there a little guy on it or am I crazy? I might be missing. There is.
2: Yeah, there is a little guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All
1: right. Well, we solved the mystery. And um Wow. I don't believe what's happening to my computer. Fuck this. We're just going to roll without the internet. I, I have no ability to look things up for this podcast. Hello, everyone. <laughs> my name is Jake Flores, and I'm having a, a tech meltdown about my gear that we use to record the podcast. The reason it always the podcast always sounds like shit, and we're always like... Oh my God, my microphone exploded! Is because I don't know why. There's a, a curse on this podcast. They don't want us to make it. It might be the government. They can't stop us.
3: Um, I'm no, Jake. we always click DIY format. So it has the capability to sound much better, but that's what it's like an Instagram filter for audio. True. We want it to sound more junky than it really is.
1: True. Yeah. No, It's this is right. We're doing like lo-fi podcasting. Like uh, on vinyl or something, so it sounds, you know, like when people tried to destroy the government in the seventies.
2: Should I should I take off my pop filter from my mic? Are we going a little gritty? Uh
1: huh.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going
1: gritty. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy from the internet that everyone hates. Okay. Uh, Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. And uh, joining us are Albert and Annie from No Olympics. Welcome to the show. Hello.
0: Hello. Hi. Hey, thanks for having
1: us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I think we were supposed to record and then like the, that was the week that I got thrown in jail. And then, uh, the, you know, know, every time something like that happens, the podcast has a hiccup for a few, um, weeks, but, uh, I'm glad that we're getting back around to this though, because I think I heard you guys on, I want to say left coast or something like that. And I thought, or at least someone talking about this subject and, uh, it really blew my mind, because I, I had never really thought about the Olympics much, really, uh, or at least as an adult with a somewhat radical mind or something. Um, so please, just lay it down. What's, uh, what What should we, people know about the damn Olympics?
2: Go ahead, Annie.
0: it was like we didn't communicate this uh how to throw it to each other um yeah so the olympics uh are really bad for a lot of reasons um the host cities uh that have the olympics pretty much universally get changed forever and not for the better for the people that live in them um we particularly look at a couple different things um especially the way that the Olympics uh, militarize local police departments and those police departments never demilitarize. It just ramps that level up and stays there. Um, And there's a lot of examples of that we can go into in Los Angeles and across the world. Um, It also, the Olympics also uh, create a massive amount of real estate development, which causes displacement. Um, You know, we in LA are eight years away from the Olympics and we're already seeing the effects of that displacement pretty directly on the city. Um, it, as a result of that, it increases homelessness, sweeps of unhoused people, uh, in these cities increase, uh, pretty dramatically and their incarceration and criminalization increases. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's really bad for the climate, (laughs) all of this construction that comes with the Olympics, it creates a ton of corruption in the, uh, political governments of the cities that host the Olympics. It's just sort of like a slew of bad shit from top to tail. Right. So we're
3: eight years out from the Olympics in LA, which just seems, I can't even begin to think about what I'm doing in eight years from now. Uh, the idea that we would already displacing people and making so many changes in a huge city, uh, for, uh, you know, a couple weeks of gaming, in eight years is, is hard to conceive of, but how does the, um, bidding process work for these cities? Uh, how far in advance are people preparing and what's the process like of of getting the Olympics approved in your town?
2: Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting because like, the bidding process, it's something that isn't always – like for LA 2028, there wasn't really much publicity around it, and it actually got rubber stamped. Like they did, they did one study, like an LMU did one study of like whoever, like a few thousand people that said 88% of Los Angeles – uh p- residents want the olympics to come here so there's no they don't put it on 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 a ballot there's no mm. public input there the ioc the international olympic committee uh is really not accountable to anyone so they you know they entice cities with with real estate contracts with you know uh bolstering their police forces so there's not a lot of um you can read the bid contracts and see how it all breaks down but as far as anyone here in la knows um it was just rubber stamped in a closed session by city council and the mayor. And by Mayor Garcetti, his, it's been his pet project since he took office. And as soon as he became mayor, he just approved the Olympics without any sort of public input. And so, you know, we are, it's been a tradition for the last maybe 30 years or so that, that they start planning them, um, uh, you know, years in advance. And a lot of that is just because of real estate speculation, because of, um, it, it just gets, it, it, it sort of lets the real estate people figure out which communities they're going to fuck over basically. I don't know if I can curse on here. Sorry. Oh it, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. You're good. But you, you know, it, it, it allows them to kind of really, really speculate on what neighborhoods are going to be, um, you know, where strategically it works for them. They always sell it as this thing of like, well, we're going to expand transit and there's going to be more hotels. Cause there's, you know, people talk about this thing of a hotel shortage, quote unquote, which is an insane concept like we don't have enough hotels because we're we're uh, you know we're a town that uh, entices tourists but it's it's the ioc and and the olympic bidding process is so shady and so hidden from the public that if we really knew what they were what the ioc was asking for and what it meant for the the host city i don't think most people even your most unplugged person in the city would not want it to come to the city
0: yeah, and to that, I would just add quickly um, the polling is super interesting. They basically, every city does multiple polls, like over many months, usually during their bid process. Boston did, LA did one single poll. It wasn't by the media, it was, as Albert said, by LMU. And the guy who did the poll, his name's Fernando Guerrera, he um, was afterwards awarded the contract to do all the like air taxis through Uber for the Olympics. So like those type of conflict of interest are like all over the place. Like the whole infrastructure of it is just like one giant conflict of interest.
3: Okay, so who are like the the real beneficiaries here? You have—is uh, it real estate? Is it um, the sort of the, the the elite tier of the tourism industry? Uh, who? What? What? What interests are behind pushing uh, the Olympics in in LA, for instance?
0: Um, I can start on that. Um, so one of the key benefactors um, is this guy named Casey Wasserman, who is. Uh, the head of the LA 2028 bid. And he, like a lot of the people who end up profiting from the Olympics is kind of just like a professional rich kid. Um, mm. You know, he grew up very uh, wealthy. He, um, I think Albert, you might know more about this, but I think his uh, grandfather was like a money
2: launderer who he like famously looked up to that, that type of thing. <laughs> he and also- sorry, Just to, just to jump in, his grandfather was the one who convinced uh, Ronald Reagan to like, Get into politics. So we have him to blame oh, for the <laughs> Reagan years. Yeah. So,
3: so just, time machine murder, he's the number one uh, target. For sure. Pretty much. Probably number
1: yeah. two. Yeah. As far as. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely up there. And also, he was on Epstein's plane. So. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Really
2: buried the lead on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Well. He's also randomly Megan Rapinoe's like, uh, agent who is the you know the the soccer player that yeah. was kind of big oh, yeah. ha- had a lot of big headlines a couple years ago so yeah he's he's uh um, he and, and like kind of i think it was when epstein was killed or you know whatever like he all of his social media like went on lockdown like his twitter is locked like he's just trying to hide he, he'll show up and do public appearances and stuff to like promote the la 2028 olympics but he's like really cagey and and like he's the guy is just like you look at him he looks like a slime ball and this is the guy that partnered with eric garcetti to like try to bring the olympics here and it's just it's just it's rotten and what is
3: garcetti's role been in this because he's been i think uh pretty person pretty early in his mayorality, has been has been pushing the olympics uh why is this so um far on the top of his agenda and like what what does he see as the the benefit to the to having the Olympics in LA
2: um I think you know I well I mean Garcetti he grew up in in LA you know his dad was the district attorney during the the 90s he was the one that you know bungled the the OJ trial so he comes from a family that has deep roots in LA and Mm -hmm. you know Garcetti was there for the 84 Olympics so it's something that you know he has nostalgia for but also like he knows that He can get rich by doing it. I mean, if if you look at what's going on in Los Angeles right now, we just had a sitting city council member be arrested for bribery and all sorts of really horrible stuff. So if one of them is corrupt, then you know that a few of other others are. And if we're talking about the Olympics in the context of of these of these uh, corruption investigations, you know that like. As early as twenty seventeen, there was no way that the Olympics, some that most of those people, including Garcetti, didn't get some really good deal by either real estate developer or whoever, or even, you know, the Olympics are always used to bolster local police departments. It's always done. Yeah. And right now with the whole, you know, the whole messaging about defunding the police, we know that in like two years, the LAPD is gonna start pushing for more money in the run-up to the Olympics. So and and this is why I personally really love this anti-Olympic movement, because There is so much that goes into it. The Olympics is such a wide, you know, wide reaching thing. It's tentacles are in every single part of of the city, whether you're a housing activist, whether you're into transit or policing. That is what kind of the implications are. And, And Garcetti knows this. He knows this because that was his it's been his pet project. He's been so excited. Initially, it was L.A. 2024 and then it got pushed to 2028. But that just gives him more time. To get more contracts, get more deals, and he'll be long gone. He'll be way out of office by the time 2028 comes, but he's still going to be benefiting from that.
3: Is he term limited?
2: Yeah, I think he might be done soon. I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but there's for sure he'll be gone by 2028. Like there, there's no way that he, he's gonna he's gonna still be in office by then.
1: Well right. so let's talk a little bit just about um, the Olympics in general, because I guess I, it did not really occur to me until I started looking into what you guys were talking about that uh, it just sort of operates as um, it kind of reminded me of like when they were auctioning off Amazon and there were you know, different cities bidding on it or something like that. Like it creates, um, I don't know, all of these various interests and things that um, you know are not in the in the interest of the people that live in the city. It's just of like you know, the local government and capital and stuff like that. Um, does, does, does this just what the Olympics have always been like? Uh, did the Olympics turn evil at some point? What happened? You know, what are the origins here?
0: Yeah. So it's really interesting because actually before I got into this work, I as very ignorant to sports was like, Oh, the Olympics have just been continuous since ancient Greece, which is an insane thing to believe because they were, um, <laughs> they, they, did not do that. They, they, the modern Olympics were created in the late 19th century, um, by this guy named, uh, Baron de Coubertin, who, um, is in, yeah. I mean, you can tell by the name, like what type of dude this is, right? It sounds like he fights um,
1: Sonic the Hedgehog on,
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) totally. Yeah. He's like got a super villain name for sure. Um, and, uh, the whole creation of the olympics is like really predicated on it being a uh, space for elites to spend money make money and be able to like witness sport as some kind of like you know pastime for the ultra rich um so the international um, olympic committee the ioc is just like full of historically and now you know like royalty um oligarchs uh these type of like global elite um henry, henry kissinger henry kissinger is <laughs> right. uh, a member of the ioc which means he gets paid more money to just attend the olympics and watch and then the athletes get paid to participate Ooh. um you know just uh, an absolute war criminal um that is a part of this uh, institution so So, this is
3: kind of like, you know, when people who look cool get paid to hang out at a nightclub. It's that, but Henry Kissinger at like a a swimming competition.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Falling asleep in the stands. There's like pictures of him like dead asleep while something's going on. Oh, my God.
1: That's so interesting because it makes sense that this is just um, sort of a social club for, you know,. Epstein circle-ish uh, ruling elites and uh, wealthy people that control the world. But it's marketed as, you know, this, like, wholesome thing for – it's sports, but it's for smart people, you know? Like, it has some sort of project to it that it's enriching the world with its culture or something. Right.
2: Yeah, so, and if I if I can just add to what, what Annie was saying, like – Going back to when the Olympics were first restarted in the late 1800s to, you know, even in the 19, you know, the 1932 Olympics were held here in Los Angeles during like a a worldwide depression. And like no other city wanted them. And that is actually L.A.'s place in the Olympic legacy is that we're the place that gets them because no one else will have them. Like even in 1932, there was Olympic resistance. There's people here in L.A. that were protesting against the Olympics coming here because even then they knew that it was, it was a thing for elites. It was going to cost us a lot of money and it was going to change the landscape of the city. I think one of the things that people don't realize, like the, the palm trees we have here in LA were brought in for the 1932 Olympics. They're not native to LA. Really? So they're going to start, they have a lifespan of about a, about a hundred years. So they're going to start dying in, in <laughs> basically by, if 20 LA, 2028 happens, um, which you know it won't because we're here, but um, if it does, those trees will start dying right around that time. So it'll be a nice little sort of everything coming full circle, the Olympic machine, you know, terrorizing the city once more. And and, and it's gifts that it gave us or whatever uh, dying out. I think it's a pr- pretty good little, little optic in, in 2028 for that to happen.
0: One thing, sorry, just to add on to that at the very end. So as Albert was just saying, like the Olympics have been really horrible over time. And one of the things I think like, that I like to point to for, uh, the origins of this is just, uh, in 1904, I think this was like the first Olympics in the United States. Um, and it was like a sideshow for, um, the world's fair that year in St. Louis. And as part of the Olympics, they had this thing called anthropology days where some like virulent racists, um, dressed up as anthropologists, essentially, um, uh, pitted white people against like indigenous people from across the world as some type of like objective measure of like athletic skill. So as you might imagine, like those type of like, you know, racial hierarchies and scientific racism and white supremacy is just like really baked into the fabric of what these games are.
3: Right. Especially at, you know, it was at the 36 Olympics in, uh, in Berlin, right. That was like, a. Yeah, held during the the Nazi uh, Reich um, and you had you know that's that's always looked at in America as being this uh, this great moment of virtue because we sent um, Jesse Owens over there uh, but there there's always been sort of this um, uh, kind of eugenic uh, tint in the in the background of all this stuff um, how has it been used throughout the years as sort of like a uh, a I guess a propaganda mechanism for different, uh, nationalities.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is like a little bit to a different part of your question, but the, the eugenicist part of it, I think, um, is able to be used by almost all of these countries universally. Like we see mm. this in the, in the cleaning up of cities, right? Like this idea that before the Olympics, one of the major things that each host city, uh, believes it needs to do is make the city look really beautiful for the investors who are going to come and spend money there. And that language of like cleaning up uh, our streets is like, I mean, it's pretty much like genocidal eugenicist language um, that like city officials here in LA have used, uh, you know, they used it in LA 84 to justify these like massive sweeps, arrests and incarceration of unhoused people in LA. Um, They put, as a result of LA 84, they put laws on the books about um, uh, criminalizing sleeping on the street, sleeping in um, on public property, and just, like, essentially makes being poor uh, against the law. And doing that, you know, it's sort of, like, it creates these refugees from capitalism and then just, like, puts them in prison. And Los Angeles has, like, the, lar- the largest jailer, I think, in the world at this point. So, oh, yeah. you know...
1: You don't have the shortage of hotels because you have all the tents out there that everyone can just (laughs) go into. Didn't that happen in, um, like, Brazil? Or am I getting the country wrong? Somewhere a few years ago in Latin America, the Olympics just uh – where, what country am I thinking of? There, there was a country. where... You're,
2: you're thinking of 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 a lot of countries. I think that, oh. there was a ton of people displaced in Rio in the run up to the Olympics. Like That's what it you was. know, favelas that had been there for so long were just torn down to make room for stadiums. And and what people don't realize, like these stadiums that get built, all these things, they don't ever get used again. They're right. not like they're not opening up uh, opening them up for like public or for you know sheltering of an unhoused people or youth sports, whatever the IOC wants to spin, they, these things sit empty and are just like a statue to like, you know, the people who used to live there whose lives are now ruined. And we have Donald Trump come here back in February and hold a press conference saying that, you know, uh, oh, he's excited about the L.A. 2028 Olympics. And he was going to send the federal government in here to you know, clean up the city. So we're, it's, it's always been the same messaging. Right. It's always been the same rhetoric over and over. And it, it always rears its head. Right. And,
3: you know, homelessness, of course, is an issue all over the country. But especially in in California, uh, you have a lot of these cities saying, you know, we would love to really take on this homelessness issue, but we just don't have the money. Uh, and you have, you know, as you're as you're describing, sort of displacement happening. And it, it, Garcetti, I think, has met with Trump quite a bit. Isn't that right? And, and, and the, the way that they're addressing the homelessness issue is is not through, uh, public spending or investment. It's through, um, really sort of revanchist, uh, tactics. Um, why there's all this money though, uh, that is going towards, you know, preparing for the Olympics. How could it be better spent to actually address homelessness?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty wild. Like, uh, I think it's some statistic, like it would cost $20 billion to solve homelessness worldwide. Um, but in Olympics costs like eight to $10 billion. So like if we could just have a few, a couple fewer Olympics, we could have solved a problem that colossal. Um, and in Los Angeles really specifically, um, We have a ton of vacant hotels right now, um, especially as a result of COVID. Um, And we were, no Olympics um, was part of a movement to um, ask, ask, demand Mayor Garcetti, um, (laughs) uh, put uh, unhoused people in those, uh, vacant hotel rooms. Um, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, (laughs) like folks need shelter. Um, and we actually did, um, with a group called street watch, um, in occupation, we supported an occupation of a hotel room that was led by, um, a unhoused resident uh, named Devon Brown, who, um, basically snuck his way into the hotel, into the Ritz Carlton in downtown LA. Um, yeah, it was really cool. He he said he was, um, I think, like a musician who w- wanted to, like, scout the rooms. And so they <laughs> showed him a room, and he turned around and was like, I'm homeless. I live in Echo Park, um, and I'm going to stay in this room until you give me a hotel room to stay in. Um, and obviously, like, because the cops are the cops, um, he and two other activists got arrested. Um and released, but they still have a court date. But in any case, um, we've been really trying to push to take all these vacant um, spaces in this city that are built for people who don't live here um, and and allow those places to become housing for the people who need it. It's the same thing with like, you know, there's more vacant housing here uh, than there are unhoused people. And it's just all like, you know, these giant condos sitting empty for the wealthy um, to trade in a global market rather than um, being used for people to live.
3: Right. It's like the solution to it seems so simple, but they're just, the political will just isn't there from people like Garcetti. Uh, Like what are some of the things that, uh, he and other mayors are doing instead of actually addressing the the homelessness. How, how have they like um, teamed up with the Trump administration to to um, deal with the issue?
2: Uh, I mean, listen, right right now the big the big fight in LA is around the budget. Um, Black Lives Matter LA has been messaging around the 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 LA the LA budget um, every year for years. You know mm-hmm. since they were since they began and so. This year, I think with COVID and everything, you know, um, we were take they were taking a closer look at it and saying that like this city is spending fifty-four percent of its budget on policing. Um, and you know that that's 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 just not where the money should go. We we are we are seeing, you know, if you go to Skid Row, if you go to pretty much any part of town, you're gonna see encampments, you're gonna see more tents, you're gonna see people who are struggling to survive and, and it's not, you know. The, the stereotypical thing that everybody thinks about when they think about a, a homeless person it's it's people of all ages of all backgrounds who right. you know I know I know a guy in Echo Park who like was managing a, a an apartment complex with his wife and she died of cancer and he like couldn't you know he couldn't deal with it and so he became homeless like you're seeing all these people and so the city will say that it, it wants to take care of people it starts these like you know initiatives to house more people but the fact is we have more than sixty thousand people on the street and we you know Mayor, the mayor Garcetti and the city council are dragging their feet. Everybody is just would rather just bow to the police because the police have such incredible immense power here. Um, The LAPD, you know, roots run really deep here. People really love them, and when you have someone like Garcetti and the city council who just absolutely love cops, there is no way that they're ever going to give any money to anything but police. And police think that they can solve the homelessness crisis through policing, which we're not we're seeing is not the case. We're seeing people be killed by police. We're seeing people be harassed. Um, You know, we're seeing we're seeing sitting council members saying that they want to arm park rangers instead of actually pouring money into some, you know, housing or some sort of even even just regular services for unhoused people. They'd rather give guns to the people who have the most contact with with uh, unhoused people. And, And I think that that's that's where we're at with that. Like mayors all across the city, whether it's, you know, Jacob Fry in Minnesota, in Minneapolis or wherever, they would rather bow to to the police machine and their unions right now than to actually help people. And, and I think that, you know, that's the big fight right now. And our, our major victory is that we've had people talking about the budget in a way that they never have like regular ass people. So, you know, we, we have to keep hammering them on that. And like, 54% is not acceptable to give to police when you have three people a day dying in Los Angeles, three unhoused people a day dying in Los Angeles. And for 2028,
3: are you anticipating, uh, you know, if all goes according to Garcetti's plan, uh, a higher presence of LAPD, or is it going to be more uh, private security for the games or or some mixture of the the two?
0: Well, kind of a mixture, I mean, the, co- the cop presence is going to increase really dramatically, and I think I would argue that it already has. Um, by LA 2028, um, the cops have already said they're gonna need 30% more officers in order to operate. Um, on top of that, uh, the Olympics is something called something known as an NSSE, which is a national security special event. And that's like any event um, big enough that like to justify an increased security presence because of a possible terrorist threat. So that's not just things like the Olympics, but also things like the Super Bowl um, or, you know, the MLB All-Star Game or any of these other big events. Um, And what those NSSE designations mean is that local police and the federal government can like directly collaborate um, on security. So anyone, any uh, organization or institution in the uh, Department of Homeland Security can now like collaborate directly with LAPD. So that means that we're looking at, like, increased militarization. We're looking at um, a presence of ICE and uh, Border Patrol here that is, I think, really disturbing. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're already seeing it happen. Uh, last fall in October, um, the Department of Homeland Security came here and did like a talk with LAPD um about preparing for 2028 in 2019 nine years before um, the olympics so this type of like ramping up of militarization um you know it's just going to be ongoing unless we we stop the olympics
3: yeah
1: um can we talk a little bit about tokyo and how that plays into all this what's happening with the the 2020 tokyo olympics they were postponed right
2: yeah, they're supposed to be going on in July of next year. And they're still gonna be called confusingly the twenty twenty Tokyo games. They're not <laughs> changing they're not they refuse to change the name. <laughs> hey hindsight. Uh, right, yeah, right, right. So but Well think about I, how know,
1: the two zeros in twenty twenty will look in an Olympic rings like logo graphic oh design. yeah you can't
2: pass you can't, it's can't gonna be beautiful it. honestly it's it's so it's so beautiful but i think what happened with and and this is you know what happened with with tokyo is very indicative of the way that that the ioc operates it was like they every other major sporting event had been canceled every the se- the mlb season the nba season everything was being canceled even like bowling alleys were being closed right because of because of covid and they were the last holdouts. they were saying we're it's July is, is is by the time July comes, we'll be fine. We'll still be able to have you know fifty thousand people in an arena. Um, and it wasn't until a lot of countries started to withdraw their players and and kind of criticize them for that they actually took action. They they and not only that, but in the lead up to the games, I mean, one of the 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 torch relay was was going to go through Fukushima, which is still recovering. From the 2011 uh, nuclear disaster, and, <laughs> and even even as as late as 2019, there was still troubling amounts of radiation in that city. So, you know, the IOC and the Japanese government, again, it's all about money and and all that stuff. So they would rather put, you know, athletes and people, the the public, in danger than actually admit, you know, we maybe we shouldn't do this. And 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 again, if 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 countries hadn't pulled out, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics would have would still be on the books and would be putting a ton of people. At risk, and what we saw happen once the games were postponed is the the coronavirus numbers in Japan started to spike because they were actively suppressing the number of, of cases to make it look like their like everything was fine. So so it's it's crazy to me that they're even still considering doing it next year when they're saying that events like that probably shouldn't happen until you know 2022.
3: This is sort sort of a tangent, but I also heard that. Uh... Shoko Asah- Asahara was executed uh, specifically, like to prepare for uh, the Olympics in Tokyo because they didn't want any, you know, sort of uh, relics of Om Shinrikyo hanging around to like remind people of that as <laughs> another, you know, terror attack. Wait, they executed him like recently? Yeah, in 2018. Oh wow, yeah,
1: I entirely missed that. Anyway, interesting. Um, <laughs> um... but. Go ahead.
3: Well, you guys mentioned the uh, environmental impact uh, of the Games, and I'm, like, picturing 2028, and it seems like, you know, climate change will have gotten to such a point where, where maybe the purpose of the Olympic Games will be to, like, contest different resources. So you're going to have, like, <laughs> countries going at each other to see who who gets a bigger, like, oil supply or whatever. Uh, but what are some of the environmental impacts that we're going to see uh next summer and then um eight years from now potentially
1: do you, do you remember a few years ago or maybe 10 or 20 years ago maybe i'm old when the logo for the olympics was just that weird little blue alien monster thing with like oh, yeah. for eyes and shit that's because yeah. of the radiation he actually is a real thing the, <laughs> i'm just
2: lying i don't know
1: <laughs> but go um, ahead go on
2: yeah, sorry. So as far as environmental, I mean, if if we're going to talk about that, I just want a, a little bit of context as far as like environmental degradation that happens because of the Olympics. I mean, Rio had, you know, up in, in the run up to the 2016 Olympics, you know, the, the, their waterways are were incredibly polluted. They still are. And mm. one of the things that the Olympics promised to do was to build, you know, eight uh, water treatment plants a- along these you know, uh, waterways that were going to host swimmers and, and rowers and all that sort of stuff. And they built one and, and each, each consecutive Olympics basically says, Oh, we're going to be greener than the last one. We're going to do all these great environmental things. And what they do is they go to Pyeongchang and down 58,000 trees to make room for a ski slope. Um, and now that ski slope sits there empty and rotting, while those trees, you know, they're saying, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to replant double those trees and it's going to be great. And they've yet to I mean, they've planted a few thousand. So we we have seen it over and over and over again. And, and what's going to happen in 2028, you know, who knows what the world will be like then? I mean, if, if it keeps going this way, it's going to be really, really troubling. But even in 2020, I mean, some of the they had to switch around some of the events because. Tokyo was going to be way way too hot for people to be running like marathons or whatever. So so I just think that you know whatever's going to happen in, 20, in in LA 2028 is going to be they're going to try to spin it some way and say that things are going to be fine, but but behind the scenes like it's just going to cause this city more damage. And I mean, this city after LA 84 was completely scarred and completely changed and not only from policing but just the landscape of the actual city and and that's something that the olympics come for two or three weeks they bounce and then we're kind of all left to you know rio is left to to have a bunch of its people displaced beijing all these places are left to like pick up the pieces and and be missing parts of their environment and and something that people hold sacred in a lot in a lot of cases you know like and all in the name of sport or you know uh, prestige or whatever, it's its, it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, I kind of, of went on a tangent there, but you know. No. No, no, totally. I think one of
0: the things about Tokyo 2020 slash one that we've been talking about too is although like we absolutely have to cancel it, it has to be cancelled, uh, Most much of the damage is already done. Like, a lot of the negative consequences of the Olympics happen because of, like, displacement and policing in the run-up to it. Um, so, you know, all we can really do now is uh, cancel it so that, like, the incredible theft of, you know, taxpayer money <laughs> stops and, you know, some of this stuff uh, slows down.
1: Or, you know, what we could do is keep having it until, the like, there's it's not possible to have the winter Olympics anymore because we've destroyed the environment so much by doing the summer Olympics. And then maybe we continue the process until it's not possible to have the Olympics at all because the world is like a flaming magma ball. (laughs) <laughs> they would probably just invent new games. My plan's not going to work. Yeah,
2: they'll do like they'll do like mag- magma skiing or some shit. They'll they'll find a way. Yeah. Find a way. <laughs> the whole Olympics will just be that floor is lava. Uh,
0: there now. you go. <laughs> that's that's yeah. why they introduced
1: it onto Netflix to get us used to the idea. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's manufactured consent, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, you mentioned the uh, the budget, and um, I've heard that like the estimate never turns out to be uh they're always over budget right like basically every games costs way more than they than they uh, say it will uh and who ends up usually footing that bill is it the committee or is it the the people in these cities
0: it is always the people in the cities um the one exception interestingly is LA 84 the 1984 olympics um that Olympics is hailed as like LA made a profit, so we could should definitely do 2028 again. Oh. Um, but the reality of it is is that um, it was like 200 million some odd dollars uh, after the IOC took its cut. Um, there was like 93 million bucks left, and that all went to uh, like a nonprofit. It did not go to the city. So so a nonprofit, by the way. Nonprofit that was founded to accept that money called the la 84 foundation. Um, and that now invests in blackstone. So all of any, any profit is not going back to the people. Uh, then the, the other side of your question. Oh, the other thing about la 84 is, um, Los Angeles specifically passed a measure, um, prohibiting, um, like public funds to be used for any budget overages for the Olympics. Um, so cities in the past have like passed certain things like that to make sure they're not on the hook for it. But that's certainly not the case for LA 2028, and it has not been the case for most of these bids um, in recent memory. Because part of the su- the success, quote unquote, of the Olympics is contingent on basically being like able to pillage from, um, public money and taxpayer resources, um, and just like hoover up all of those funds basically, which could be used for literally anything else.
3: All right, And I'm curious now about the, in, in Japan, has there been like a lot of, uh, organizing against, uh, the games in Tokyo? What, what, what's the uh, situation been there in, over the past few years?
2: Yeah, there's been there's been a, a good amount of organizing. And actually, I think this is before I joined the coalition and, and Annie as well. They uh, a bunch of uh, I think about a dozen of our organizers went to Japan. Um, it was like in July of 2019. So a year out of the, you know, from the 2020 games. Uh, and they marched with with uh, the protesters there, had teach ins. And that's something with no Olympics as we we are very devoted to our transnational um you know solidarity so not only do we want them out of la we we just don't want them to be anywhere we don't want to push the games away from us and and send them to another city for them to deal with so you know we're in touch with people from tokyo we just had a a, a teach-in a few weeks ago with some of the organizers there one one person who is who's twice been displaced because of the of the games um and so we have, you know, we're in touch with people from France and, 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 and you know, we, we know people in Boston because Boston was able to uh, force the games out uh, a few years ago. So we we take the transnational stuff pretty seriously because we, you know, our, our one of our slogans is no Olympics anywhere. We don't want them here. We don't want mm-hmm. them anywhere. We want to destroy them. We don't want to, them to be in one city every four years or whatever. We want them gone because they have caused. So much fucking damage um, over the years, and and so yeah, we uh, there's always been a healthy Olympic res- resistance, and I think Japan has some of the, some of the best uh, people out there, you know, resisting them at, at any any chance they get.
1: Well, so if um, the goal is, no, oh, sorry, I just out of curiosity, if the goal is just to completely end the Olympics, I guess my question is how? Like, is it just by raising enough awareness in every city they could possibly be? Uh, marketing the Olympics to to create resistance?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question, and I think a very good one. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about the transnational anti-Olympics movement is it's sort of like very similar to a transnational anti-capitalism movement, because essentially, like, what we're trying to fight when we fight the Olympics is the crises created by capitalism that the Olympics, like, massively exacerbates. So... I think you know it's just like the global fight we're all in against this like horrible, crushing, dehumanizing system um, that we just all have to exercise solidarity with each other um, as like an international proletariat and push this shit out. Um, and I, I think it's it's funny because Olympics boosters really like to talk about how the Olympics like bring everyone in the world together for like world peace right. and. Um, <laughs> What, what we really know is that the Olympics sow divisions, um, you know, and, and uh, extract and exploit. Um, but I think what we're witnessing right now with the worldwide uh, no Olympics anywhere movement is that people are really realizing that they can unite um, and what they can unite against is against capitalism and against uh, the Olympics. And, and what really brings us together is the struggle um, against uh, these systems.
1: I'm starting to realize how indoctrinated I was by a film called Cool Runnings that came out in the early 90s. <laughs> I hate German people, and I, you know, I it's, what have they ever done? Um, it, but that the villains of that movie, you know, I mean, it really made me hate them, and it made me support these Jamaican guys. I don't know why. No, but it, the <laughs> you're right. The enemy here is just uh, the Olympics itself, and it being a byproduct of um, global capitalism. So, I guess that's a big question question and therefore it has a big answer that makes sense
0: but i think part of um i don't know what what is so great too about an olympics is we're pushing against all of these destructive forces of capitalism and we're trying to end them but we're also doing this work to like imagine the world that we want to fight for and move towards you know we're imagining uh police abolition and and the abolition of the the prison industrial complex we want to decommodify housing and it's a human right and really make good on that. You know, we want to take back our public spaces that have been privatized by these mega sports and by private interests across the world. Um, you know, and just feel like just a little dose of that revolutionary optimism to feel mm-hmm. good about you yeah. know, where we're going. Too. I
1: mean, I feel so good about this movement because I, I think I didn't like the Olympics to begin with, but it, it didn't occur to me that they're, There's actually good reason to uh, be against this. Now it all makes sense to me. Um, I don't think they're cool. I think they're weird, and they're for nerds to feel like they can enjoy sports without the uh, the crude, you know, prolish nature of uh, American football shit like that, which is also bad. I uh, I say yeah, we get rid of them. We do away with them. Um, uh, Here's a question, though. Let's get a little weird. What th- what do sports look like after this? You know how yeah. how do we enjoy yeah, sports in a post-revolution world?
2: I mean, I think one of the one of the greatest things that the Olympics has they've been able to do is convince people that they're needed, right? That like there has to be this prestige attached to sports, that there has to be um, this big show. And and you know, listen, I, I mean, we all gather around and watch the Super Bowl, and I, I watch the World Cup. I, I don't like soccer, but I understand why people would want to, you know feel a part of something but i think that we can we can enjoy sports we can enjoy having people who we look up to we you know kids can grow up you know admiring sports stars i mean i did you know i, I grew up in the era of, of of not only jordan but kobe and shack and so I, I get that i get that as someone who who loves sports and wanted to to do that but what we need to do is like realize that it shouldn't come at the price of of people's lives of, of people's livelihoods and um as far as what sports looks like, I mean, you can still have a lot of the shit that you're doing right now. I mean, the the you know MLB state stadiums are built. Like, you can keep doing that. We just don't need anything new. We don't need to keep pressing on and changing the landscapes of of, of cities uh, in the name of that. I think I think it's fine as it as it is. And I mean, shit, sports has already enough problems as it is. Every fucking league is like mired in some sort of, of controversy. But I think that we need to re- remove that thought from our heads that somehow if the Olympics are gone, that, you know, that, that sports will lose anything. It it's, it's, it, do- it's, it won't. I, I don't believe it will. And I think that um, we need to start thinking of, like, a way to actually make sports for everyone, right? Not not just because, like, right. if you think about it, like, the Olympics are going to come to, to uh, whatever city and most of the people who live there are not going to be able to afford to go watch them. These right. these games are incredibly expensive. They're, they are, everything about the Olympics is for the elites, right? So so right. if you want to go watch, hey, I really love soccer, I'd love to go watch a game in the Olympics, it's going to cost you a lot of fucking money. So we need to do away with that. And, and I think there is a, a world in which, we can actually rebuild, um, you know, the love of sport and and, and have people meet in solidarity uh, of sport. Um, but the Olympics is is not the way uh, it, it just it, it won't it won't work anymore. It, it's uh, it's caused too much pain. I bring this up because I think I have
1: some I to me in my mind, I, you know, the the worlds of like popular art forms and sports and entertainment, all these things kind of exist in a similar space in the question of capitalism. And I'm often uh, asked by people, like, you know, what uh, what what would comedy look like? You know, I'd use fucking stand-up. And is it, what would that look like post, uh, you know, this revolution or whatever the hell you're talking about? And I think it's interesting because, you know, I think the part of the reason that we have, like, this system of stars and stuff like that and it being a spectacle and entertainment and it being somewhat competitive is um, – I don't know. It's a byproduct of the capitalist system itself. And, you know, to me, I always think if we were to actually achieve some sort of utopia, you'd still be able to do stand-up, for instance, if you're a stand-up comedian or something like that. But
3: Not in my utopia.
1: Yeah, fair. think <laughs> <Speak> for <yourself. laughs> But um, it, it wouldn't – in my mind, it wouldn't be attached to capital. Like you wouldn't have to do it as a job. Right. Your needs would be taken care of to such an extent that you could just do things for pure – enjoyment and for the sake of themselves and i think sports probably at least in my mind and my model of this utopia would fit into the same thing like we could still have plenty of competition we might not have though um you know like uh high 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 level dramatic arcs with you know particular figures that are at the high level of like the nba or something like that i don't know that might be the trade-off um, but then again, maybe you would because you, music, for example, became very much democratized just because of the internet. It used to be every, you know, every person in your high school liked the same band and they were the coolest band ever. And then, you know, guns and roses is like an example of a band like that. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, file sharing happens on the internet and against the will of the industry of music itself everything's way more democratized and now i think we live in a much cooler society where there's lots and lots and lots and lots of music and music is a thing that you just go kind of dive into and everyone knows about you know their own secret thing that they found that no one else does or whatever so i don't know maybe uh you know maybe that's it maybe that post-revolutionary sporting is uh it there's more of it but less less of the high production star power stuff you know
2: yeah, there's also, you know, if you look back in history, there there, there have been attempts to do, you know, other like a- Olympic alternatives. There was like, you know, socialist worker games movement, you know, that lasted for a little bit. So there are ways to do it. And I think that, you know, just competition itself is something that's always going to draw people. And, and people will write the narratives for that. I, I don't think you need – um necessarily need, like, a league or, or something to do that. I mean, and again, I grew up watching this stuff and being like, oh, what's going on? Like, reading about the drama in a locker room, and that stuff is fun or whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. again, we can we can have all of these things. We can we can have it all, baby. We can just – we just have <laughs> to make sure that it doesn't fucking hurt anybody. That That's ultimately what it comes down to, because I'm down to, like – I love playing sports. If, if I ever meet the two of you, I'd love to ball you up in basketball. You know, oh. I just think it's like we <laughs> – You would, I would destroy me. <laughs> I would love
1: to see – Anyone play basketball against <laughs> Anders Lee? Uh, myself either. I'm not good either. I was either, not but... a
2: bad
3: uh, baller back in the day. I uh, well, I, I, I think I averaged uh, 12 baskets one season. I... Are you tall, yeah. Anders? I'm I'm uh, technically 5'11, but I identify six feet.
0: Me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Hell yeah. I yeah, imagine like everyone I matched with on Tinder in like <laughs> oh,
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Anders is the guy with the wraparound goggles that takes the Uh gear really seriously. Uh, I don't know why. Elbow in the face. All right. um, (laughs) Well, I think we should probably round this out and get out of here because it is, you know, the the unnamed, unspecified hot dog celebration holiday.
3: It's Explosion Day. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, we can have sports without the Olympics. We can have fireworks without nationalism that's true i mean it's been going on for
2: the last three weeks in my neighborhood so you yeah. know it's another day <laughs>
3: there you go well um i
1: guess let my listeners know where they can find out more about no olympics how they can support all that stuff
0: um well we're on all the socials at no olympics um is that right actually albert or is it no olympics la now i have to Oh, uh, <laughs> so
2: let, let's start I'm pretty, this over. You know, it's, listen it's all at no olympics um nolympicsla.com we've got so many great videos that, that tie all this stuff together i mean we you know we could have hours and hours worth of conversation to like explain to you why everything is bad but we have a lot of videos we do seriously good tweets we do stuff on instagram uh we got a lot of other stuff coming that that's in the works right now um you know because of covid and because everyone's aware of stuff now like we're the, the movement is building so we want to just you know engage people I'm, I'm one of the new member liaisons so you want to come and 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 fuck with us like hit me up and you know i'm on twitter uh just hit us all up and we're 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 out there there's there's many many ways to get involved right now we have so much shit going on truly
0: just uh go to the website come to a meeting we are super welcoming and we would love to have you
1: all right right on well uh yeah thank you very much and i think that should be it anybody else anders
3: anything uh that's it yeah No
2: Olympics. All right. (laughs) right. Cancel them. Cancel. Go blow some shit up.